This is Paul Nobles from eatperform.com and hello Facebook. Um, we are doing this live, but we're also recording for the podcast later. April, do you want to say hello to everyone? Hello, everyone. So for Facebook, you won't be able to see April, but you will be able to hear her. And uh, we'll riff back and forth based on um, the topics that we're going to run over. The topic that we're going to talk about today is we're going to kind of break down the pieces of why young people have a better metabolism than older people. And I think a lot of folks think that that is fairly obvious. Um, but we want to break down the pieces of it and go, well, how can you address that? And actually, I'm really interested, Anita, if you could type how things are going for you, if things are continuing going the way that they were the other day on our group coaching call, that'd be real interesting to talk about as well. So the um, anything interesting happening to you, April? I, I obviously just got back from the CrossFit competition in Chicago. That was interesting um, if uh, and also slightly humbling. Um, they did have a master's division, which honestly... Uh, if, I, if I had a partner for that, I think it would have been a really good fit. Um, some of the, um, some of the, it was, it was scaled, but it was, it was pretty heavy scaled. Um, and so that got to be a little hard on me, but not, not too bad. I was able to function well. How did your weekend go? It went well. I did my first, the, the weather finally cleared up and I did my first, walk slash run or run more than walk and I didn't die so well there you go actually I was fine I was actually fine yeah the um so how long did you run oh I started about half a mile <laughs> half a mile because I had the dog and my 10 year old with me but I, I got you just in case I'm just in case you've never <laughs> seen April um April does all of these in a tank top and she's she's pretty jacked so um she's certainly in shape i actually when we were um in colorado we had a uh, uh eat before meet up there and i i made the mistake of challenging april's cardio and um the only thing that i could compare it to is when a a six-year-old boy you know teases a six-year-old girl about running fast and she ends up smoking his ass um so that that's pretty much how that went so I wanted to start the, the podcast talking about uh, something that was, that came up in the um, Science Lab forum um, or the, the private, not the private forum, uh, the, um, the, the off-topic forum. And someone posted a video that I think was sort of interesting. When I was in the car business... Um, it was around when I was 25 years old. The I come into the car business selling cars and desperately needed money. So within you know weeks of starting to sell cars, um, I was already reading everything I possibly could to try and figure out a way to um, you know sell more cars and. I'd say within six months, I had pretty much picked the brain of every good car salesperson that I had found, and I got pretty decent at selling cars um, very quickly. Now, you know, just so you guys get some idea of how the story goes, I basically went bankrupt selling sports memorabilia we baseball and hockey went on strike like almost overnight and so I owed a bunch of money to friends and family so when I jumped into the car business it was like not an option to fail selling cars <clears throat> and so winter in Minnesota um, actually new cars sell okay used cars do not sell well typically and uh, I did not know this and so you know I needed to sell cars and so when things started to slow down, we were all, there were a couple things related to selling cars. One of the things I was really good at 
was talking to people on the phone and then, you know, getting them to come into the lot and then ultimately buy a car. Um, because, you know, typically they're not calling you for no reason. One of the advantages that I had is I had one of the first cell phones. And so uh, I had an ad that I worked on with the dealership. And so I would take three or four used cars and place these tiny little ads. And uh, people would call my cell phone specifically so no other salesperson on the team you know could get these calls nor did they want them they were all gone it was you know january at that time so it was very cold and we often had to like clean the snow off of the cars so i knew that if i was selling a car that i didn't have to do kind of the the cruddy work of you know taking the snow off the cars and and things of this nature and just to give like some general idea, I think in January of that year, this was probably you know 20 years ago at this point, um, I had sold 32 cars and the next person sold four cars. <laughs> like that's how different it was. And so when we had our staff meeting, the... Um, there was a guy named Harold who, you know, he was, he was sort of funny. I remember so many stories about, about Harold and he gets up in front of the staff meeting and he says, you know, does anybody want to guess why Paul sold so many ca more cars than all of you? Um, and, and I was like, please don't tell him I'm broke, Harold, please. You know, um, and, uh, he said something that, honestly, I've said a million times since then. Um, and what he said was, you know, nobody told him he couldn't. And I think that that is so, you know, so important for the way that most people do things. Because the thing that sort of got me thinking about it was this woman you know, doing pull-ups um, in a video, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second, but a lot of times when we all have a challenge, we'll fail at the challenge before we even start because you start to get that idea that, well, there's just no way that you could do that in January or there's no way that you can do a pull-up, you know, to, to give you an example of what I'm talking about, the person doing the pull-ups was a 230-pound female. And she was just whipping off these pull-ups left and right. And I've said it a million times related to pull-ups. There's so many people that talk about the fact that they, um, if they just weighed less, they could do pull-ups. And I'm like, honestly, it's kind of bullshit that you believe that, you know? And I said, I have a woman at my gym, you know, who's 210 pounds and she can do pull-ups. And then here we go. We have a 230-pound woman that, that's, that's showing everybody how to do it. And so I think a lot of the times whenever we're, you know, whether it be weight training, whether it be, you know, body weight movements or whatever, uh, you know, it comes down to um, making sure that you're not you know, convincing yourself of things that ultimately are stopping your progress. Um, any thoughts on that, April? Because, I mean, you know, I, I feel like we deal with this a lot, you know, where people, you know, come in. And we're, and that's that obviously fits our topic, too, because, you know, one of the things that you always hear is my metabolism is broken, you know, uh, you know, I'm in menopause, all these different types of things. Um, any thoughts on, on on what I'm talking about? I think, I think in general, you know, rather than having the, the mindset of I can't, you know, it's, it's one thing when you have, you know, like a medical restriction or, you know, like a specific reason that has been proven that you can't do something, but just to automatically assume that you can't without even trying you know, is you're setting yourself up for failure, you know, and, and with anything, with your metabolism, with pull-ups, with, you know, 
bench pressing with anything, you know, I think the key is just to set a goal and then you have to work for that goal. You know, you continually work for it and eventually you'll get it, you know. Yeah, so I'm just going to jump right into the topic of the day. And, and, you know, for those that don't know, the the webinar is going right now. We have members that are sitting here that can ask us questions. We aren't always able to get to the questions on Facebook, but a lot of the things that are coming up or the the questions that people will have, you know, basically will... uh, We'll be able to cover some of it as we walk through it. We have someone talking about the fact that she has a broken metabolism and we're going to make the argument that you do not. Um, so I was at the competition this weekend and we had done our three events. And what was interesting about it was that it was seven, eight and nine minutes so the total volume of time was 24 minutes. In theory, I did 12 minutes of that work. It sort of depends on how you look at it. Because, I mean, it was so funny. Because my partner is 26 years old. Um, and, you know, I'm 47. So, you know, we're in this competition and... I would struggle with a heavy weight for me and you know it might take me 20 to 30 seconds to do 15 reps of whatever we were doing at that time and uh, and then it would take him like five seconds so so it was it was just like this constant oh my god I think I'm gonna die you know because he was able to do it so fast and so, I don't know, I mean, if you really looked at it, I probably did somewhere in the neighborhood about 14 minutes worth of work, whereas he probably did 10 just because I was slower. But we went to Starbucks afterwards, um, and I was sort of interested because he also has a Fitbit. And so uh, I looked at my Fitbit calories, and he showed me his Fitbit calories, and his Fitbit calories were almost double that of mine. And when I mentioned it to someone at the event, um, they were like, why do you think that is, you know? And I was like, well, he worked harder than I did, (laughs) you know? Um, And I, I really feel like, you know, some of the mentality that we have as we age. Now, don't get me wrong, you know? His metabolism is a little bit better than mine, right? And he does have some advantages that I don't have. But it's no advantage to me to consider myself broken. Then I'm then I'm a victim, right? Now, I will say this. I hadn't crossfitted in something like three to four months. You know, I had done a lot of high-intensity work. Anything with, with like air, I was totally fine on because, uh, well, one, you know, I'm, you know, only 177 pounds. Um, and so, you know, I do a lot of sprinting work, things like that. When it got heavy, you know, and it was heavier, heavier than my comfort zone, that's when my cardio would start to tank. But... You know, there was an example where we were doing, um, it was a, we were, we were competing scaled. Um, and so one of the events was knees to chest. And I think I stayed on for 47 out of 50, um, and, and could have done all 50. I didn't realize I had done 47. I thought, I thought I'd only done 40. Um, but you know, if you've ever tried to hang on a bar, you know, for, you know, longer than, say, a minute, you know, while doing an exercise, um, it's not necessarily easy. But my point being is that my breath was there. It was just that when it started to get heavier, I would start to struggle. But what I think is sort of interesting is that 
after the event, and, and I make no qualms about the fact that I'm not very good at CrossFit, um, but I am very good at working volume in, in a way where I'm, you know, respectful of my abilities. And so Taylor, as an example, as a 26 year old guy can beat the hell out of himself. I can't, you know, even today I'm still feeling it a little bit. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't really sore as much as I was fatigued and I would say a little bit dehydrated. Like last night, as an example, I, I just came home and drank like tons and tons of water. Um, and I was, you know, I was staying hydrated throughout the whole event, but it was just kind of like this, this longer draw. I think when we talk about like overly athletic type stuff, it's not that it, it should be in the routine. Like I said, you know, I do sprints, you know, two to three days a week, but you have to be careful at how much these things beat you up. And so I've kind of gotten into a routine where, you know, I can get in volume with some level of weight training, some level of sprints. And then, you know, as I keep talking about all the time is I do rucks, which basically are just weighted hikes. I actually did a weighted hike yesterday um, in very hilly terrain. Um, which probably wasn't the smartest thing I've ever done, but, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I still want to kind of, kind of dive into pieces of that, but, you know, for, I think it's very easy for us as aging athletes to go, well, they have all the advantages in the world. They're young. And... I mean, they have a lot of advantages because, I mean, there's a lot of young people that don't have the calorie burn that Taylor does. I mean, it's sort of insulting to him to say that he's, you know, just got like genetic advantages. He doesn't. He works his ass off, right? And so as we age, you know, like the master, the, the team that won the Masters event, if you'd asked me, I would have thought they were in like RX Elite. You know, I, I would have thought that they would have been very competitive against the best athletes in the competition. And they were master's athletes. They had clearly made fitness a priority in their whole life, right? And so, you know, I think wherever you're starting, like just keep that in mind, right? That the goal of exercise is to get better at exercise. And the reward is you show me the person with the best physique in any gym and I'll show you the person that typically works the hardest, right? It ain't that hard, you know? Um, any thoughts on, on what I'm saying? Because, you know, there's probably some things that you should, you know, be the qualifier on because I don't want people to take this in the wrong way. But I do want to I do want to challenge people, you know, I'm almost 50 years old, you know. And so, you know, I, I only picked up fitness, you know, at 39 years old. And so. No, know. I agree. We, you know, we say it very often, you know, whatever your passion is, whatever it is that you love, you know, strive to get better, strive to improve, you know, to, to be better at what you do. You know, that should be everybody's goal here. You know, don't just accept, you know, don't just settle for, for where you are now, you know. Yeah, and, and it's sort of interesting, too, because I, I was talking to Brad, you know, for those that don't know, there there's a couple of PhDs on staff, but Brad works with April and I in the group coaching program. And, you know, Brad asked me how the competition went, and I told him it, it went fine. I mean, by fine, I didn't get hurt. I did actually get hurt. I don't know if you guys can see that, but I got a big injury on my finger. Uh, <laughs> I was sort of joking um, going into, uh, well, I got I got this little owie um, after the first competition um, or the first wad. 
And I was like, all right, guys, I got to pull out. You know, it's it was nice knowing you, you know. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, I, I lost a little track of thought there. What, what were we talking about, April? You were saying that Brad asked you. How oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Brad asked me how I did. And I was saying to him, I said, man, I cannot wait for this summer. Because last summer, for those that follow Eat to Perform, I was doing a fair amount of long distance running, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 mile runs. And I don't know that I'm necessarily built to be a runner. I, I obviously can do it, you know. Um, but I was dealing with a lot of foot problems and things of that nature. And so that's what started me on the path of doing rucks. And, uh, you know, what I found was is, it, well, first of all, I probably took about three months off of running, let my feet heal. Um, man, I, 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 that, that needs to be a part of this discussion. You know, there are so many people and it was so interesting talking to, to people that were at the competition because there's a lot of people rolling around on, on foam rollers and stuff like that. I never do that. I'm not a particularly flexible guy. I'm not a particularly athletic guy. But, man, I tell you, I, I really think that a lot of people, you know, just don't allow their body to recover, you know, so they can, you know, really see, you know, things to, to go well. I mean, when, you know, I decided to take – a little bit of time off running and my feet started to heal I started immediately looking for something else that could allow me similar volume without hurting myself and I think that a lot of people look at these as kind of like incidental injuries and I think they can be systemic of bigger injuries over time and you know when I look at the volume piece for myself and really trying to put that in place as I train for the Granite Games in September. What I really think about is the, um, the way that I break down my training. And actually, there's some similarities to the way that I train to the way that CrossFit Games athletes train. Because I think that most people think that these guys just like wad their way to the CrossFit Games and they really don't. They really break break it down. Now certainly they do some wads, but um for instance in in my case, you know, while I was struggling in kind of a, a scale division, the masters division I would have been very competitive in, you know, and it was 40 plus and I'm 47. So the weights and stuff would have been a real good fit for me. And so when you look at kind of setting up volume and, and really you, you're just looking at sets and reps over time, right? And, you know, how can you do that and be respectful of your family, of your job? You know, I mean, most young people, they have a lot more time, <laughs> You know, they don't have families. They don't even have to cook if they don't want to. I mean, imagine, you know, Taylor at 1230 had already burned 4,100 calories. He could virtually eat anything and he'd be fine and be in a deficit for that day. And he's used to that kind of volume. I mean, now he's not doing that kind of volume right now, but he's planning on ramping up his volume going into the summer. But I think that we tend to to default to sort of these excuses, you know, and almost make ourselves into victims. And and you know, I'm saying that personally, right? <laughs> like I I'm I was that guy for between 30 and 40 where I just believed that, you know, you know, fitness wasn't going to be an option. I never dreamt of doing, you know, like I said, you know, I didn't CrossFit for three to four months and just did a CrossFit competition. Like the fact that, you know, that I can do that just rolling out of bed, that's pretty cool. I mean, 
granted, I wasn't very good at it, <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of people that are like, you know, they need to train for five Ks and Hey, God bless you. Do that. You know, I mean, just start because I could have never dreamt of getting to where I'm at. I mean, is that similar for you? Because I mean, April and I train a little differently. Um, and so she does a little bit more bodybuilding type of work. But I mean, like, I know that your deadlift is, is like 275 and such like this. I mean, was that even in the realm of possibility when you started? Oh, no. I, I still remember, you know, way back when, when 95 was heavy, you know, I, I still remember those days. But, you know, that's this kind of part, you know, I was talking to someone um, last week, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to add in a little bit of running. But the way I look at it is I would like to be more of a conditioned athlete that can do a variety of things. You know, like I'll, I'll actually add in like CrossFit stuff at the end of my workouts, like box jumps, speed rope, you know, burpees, you know, whatever, things like that. I don't want to be limited to just, you know, barbell, bodybuilding, you know, things like that. I want to be able to, you know, run five miles if I want to or do a 5K and it not be an issue or, you know, kind of like you, you know, just sign up for a CrossFit competition and, uh, you know, just go do it. You know, there is, I was, I was talking to someone last week about this. There's this guy at my gym who he's, he's very, you know, fairly built, you know, got a lot of muscle mass. And now I'd say he's probably in his late forties, always done heavier barbell, you know, some dumbbell work. Well, the past couple of months he has, and I've chatted him up at the gym, but he started doing more body weight stuff. He started doing like a ton of variations of different push-ups and, you know, working with the rings and pull-ups and things like that. Hasn't really done a lot of barbell work. And I was talking to him and within three months, this guy is like freaking jacked now. Yeah. I mean, like you, just the amount of muscle that he has added compared, and he already had a lot before, but he just looks noticeably like really jacked. And it's, you know, and he was basically saying, you know, I just got a little bored and just wanted to challenge myself with other things, you know, like doing the human flagpole and things like that, you know, and he kept saying, you know, he would go up, he would go home and he kept practicing and practicing and, you know, saying he couldn't do this when he first started. And he just kept practicing every single day until he got it. And then he'd do more reps and then more reps. And, you know, but just, you know, literally like three months and he's like freaking, you know, jacked. Like well, and, jacked. And, and once again, we come back to the pull up thing, right? Is like, you know, if you walk into the gym and you go, I'll never be able to do that. You're right. <laughs> you won't. Because you've already convinced yourself. But if you can walk into the situation with an open mind, you know, I mean, when I walked into the CrossFit gym where I work out, um, basically six years ago, I couldn't do any pull-ups. I mean, I, I can do, like, pull-ups like they're nothing now, you know. Um, I can do legless rope climbs. I mean, like, things I could have never even imagined that I wanted to do you know, um, that I can do relatively easily. And so, but getting back to kind of the, the metabolism and the challenges as we age, you know, it really does come down a little bit to priorities. You know, I mean, obviously when you're young, you have the big driver of finding a mate, right? And, looking good with your 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 clothes off and, and things of that nature and as you get older we tend to not you know always hold ourselves accountable for that kind of stuff and so we don't necessarily make fitness a priority or we don't necessarily um, challenge ourselves in a way that would you know increase that metabolism and in terms of, of calorie burn you know, I mean, if you were to if you were to see Taylor, you know, doing these these cleans and and the speed at which he was doing it, you would go, yeah, I totally get it. But I don't see a lot of people wanting to snuggle up to that. I think they want to snuggle up to the starvation part. And you know, once again, you know, why does he have a better metabolism than I do? Well, because he works harder than I do. You know, and. Yeah, I mean, I'm a 47-year-old man. He's a 26-year-old guy. 
and he has some advantages, but I also have some intelligence on my side, right? He's just going to beat the hell out of himself because he can get away with it at 26. I know that I've got to be a little bit smarter about that, right? So I'll break it up into a, you know, five mile um, weighted hike, or I'll break it up into a little bit more. Um, one of the things that I've started to do a little bit more recently as I'm increasing my volume is, you know, once again, I mean, having the ability to work with high level athletes, what you see is how they do it. And Rich Froning, as an example, you know, in his documentary, he has a whiteboard and he's got, you know, basically 15 different workouts. Like that's like all he's doing, you know, and he basically picks from those workouts based on, you know, what he's feeling up to. And he's just trying to get in volume and whatever it is that you can get away with, you know, that's your 15 things, right? And that's what's going to allow for you to have that metabolic capacity. But, you know, if you default to, I don't have time, I can't make dinner, you know, all these different things, you're shot, you're done. But lately what I've been doing, so the other day, as an example, what I do is I sort of prioritize my day. So I um, end up doing heavy stuff early. So I think I did squats around 10.30, between 10.30 and 11. Then I did a group coaching call here at ED Form um, at 1 o'clock. After 1 o'clock, I went and did hill sprints. Not too long. You know, the hill sprints typically only take 10 to 15 minutes. And, um, you know, and that's with warm up, right? So, I mean, they go, they go pretty quickly. Um, and then um, I have a uh, glued ham developer at my house. And so I've been working, um, I've, been, I've been trying to get my Mike Miller on, uh, Milner on, um, and I've uh, been doing um, GHD sit-ups. And so, uh, you know, what I'm going to start doing is sort of breaking down my day and go, well, you know, doesn't, isn't that like two days? I don't know that it is two days. I think, I think it's more like, you know, a lot of, a lot of the gains athletes that I see training where they're getting in overall volume, but there's another piece to it that's sort of interesting and sort of the opposite of what a young person can get away with. So if I break up my squats and then my hill sprints, and then some ab work. And, and once again, you know, I mean, I'm not a professional exerciser, you know. Um, so I don't do this every single day. But, you know, a Saturday might be a good day to do it for you. Um, the advantage that I have is that I can have breakfast at 9 o'clock. I can do my squats at 1030 I can have some kind of, you know, Vitargo, Progenix type of drink. Then I can do my, my hill sprints. And then, you know, after that, maybe I have, you know, something like Chipotle and, uh, you know, do my ab work. The way that I break it down is heavy, high intensity, and then whatever I can, you know. And, uh What's nice about loading the food as you go throughout the day, because people always ask us, you know, hey, how do I load if I have, you know, two days? I really think if you're not using some fast loading carbohydrate like Progenics Build or, or Vitargo, um, you're really missing a huge advantage. You can is, is another thing that, that people use. It's a little bit more of a slow loading type of carbohydrate. But it, it's better than than nothing. I'm not a huge fan of Gatorade just because um, I think it, it's a little too much sugar. But if you mixed, like if cost was an issue, something like Gatorade and Waxy Maze can be helpful. A lot of people will report that they get bloated in that scenario. Talk to me about how the bloating works out when you did squats, hill sprints, and, 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 you know, um, ab work. I mean, 
most bloating is just the water sitting outside of the cell without a reason to go inside of the cell. When you're doing a lot of work, it's actually going to allow your body to respond the way that you know you would want it to and so you tend to be less bloated and you know if you feel like you're bloated and you had say you know I mean the other day I ended up having like 425 grams of carbs because it was a pretty pretty high volume day and I woke up you know weight lower um, I believe maybe it was maybe it was 0.5 higher but it wasn't wasn't that much different and I certainly wasn't bloated um, but if I was bloated, I would just adjust down. So if I was at 425, maybe next time I would see how 375 felt. Um, any thoughts on, on all of that? Because I know there's a lot, lot um, to talk about. I would say, you know, whenever you load that many, well, I guess it depends on the next day if it was a training day or not, you know, because generally like, you know, of course it's Monday, holiday weekend, Mother's Day, a lot of get togethers and a lot of people are bloated. Um, you know, a lot of people feel, you know, ate, you know, off plan, didn't have my protein, whatever, you know, and my suggestion is number one, you know, it's, it's obviously just some level of inflammation, you know, probably some level of sodium, normal bloat, but, you know, use that fuel to go work out today, you know, right. go work out, you'll feel better. You know, I mean, my way, I, I always, it always, it's always surprises me that people are like, um, you know, once again, you know, my weight is up. I don't get it. I'm like, I totally get why my weight was up today. You know what I mean? I, I ended up eating a fair amount of food in Chicago after the competition. And then we had Mother's Day. So it was a lot of sodium. Even though it wasn't huge calories, it was foods that I typically, you know, they're not in my normal routine, right? And so... I, I just think if people could be a little bit more honest with themselves about that kind of thing, that it would be helpful. You know, I mean, let's, let's, you well, know, just kind of look at the big picture of, right. you know, you've been doing this long enough where like what you said, you know, you know, you make foods that you don't normally eat, you know, they're number one is a possible source. You know, I'm sure your sleep was off a little bit because you flew, you were traveling you know, if you knew that you didn't go to Dunkin' Donuts and eat 12 donuts, you know, and, you know, legitimately binge or overeat to that extent, you know, you know there's a logical answer to it. To be able to just look at the possible sources of, like what you said, oh, okay, well, crap, Mother's Day was yesterday. You know, my husband got up and made me pancakes for breakfast, you know, whatever, you know, and I don't normally eat things like that. You know, but just looking at the big picture rather than being clueless of, you know, I, I don't understand. You know, why is the weight up? Why am I bloated? You know, yeah. So, Michelle, I don't totally understand your question. You're saying no volume. Can you, uh, oh, is she saying that she doesn't have volume? Maybe that was, maybe that was something on her side. There was somebody that talked about the fact that um, she can't get away with the volume that she used to when she was younger and that she's burnt out from working out. Well, I'm not burnt out from working out. In fact, Tomorrow, I'm super excited about the workouts that I have designed. And the reason why I'm super excited about it is because, one, I eat an adequate amount of food for what I do almost all of the time. Like today was actually a rest day. I didn't do very much. Um, decided to do a full rest day. A lot of times my rest days tend to be um, a little less um, in the way of... of you know, full rest, I'll, I'll tend to go for a hike or ruck or something like that. Um, but today, you know, just trying to, to get back in the routine. Like you said, I did sleep good last night, slept eight hours. I actually ended up kind of taking an impromptu nap um, for like 15 to 20 minutes. But I, I feel relatively, or I felt relatively fatigued. I feel fresher now. And I think, you know, like you said, I mean, as much as I like pressing the flesh with all the Eat to Perform people, I mean, people do need to know that I do struggle with sleep. And so if I'm not sleeping in my own bed and if I'm not sleeping with my own pillow, um, you know, I'm going to operate on six hours sleep, you know, and I've got to sort of recover from that. And so, you know, but yeah, like you said, I mean, 
the weight being up matters to me not, you know, because I know ultimately I know the tools to fool with it. I don't know. Did you see the video that I made for Sherry earlier? Because it was pretty popular. Um, the uh, it's sort of funny. Like someone someone just wrote, "This is boring." Then don't watch. <laughs> like it's easy to you know. There's a whole internet full of all kinds of other stuff. You know. I did see the video that Sarah posted of Taylor at the end of his one workout where he was throwing the barbell around like it was, you know, like a Q-tip or something, you know, just. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, I mean, Taylor, Taylor next year, I think we'll probably try to find a partner that of similar yeah. type of ability. And then I'll find a master's competitor. Cause like I said, master's started at 40 plus I'm 47. So, you know, and, and I was like, looking at the master's weights going drool, 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 you know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, uh, Sarah, I think Sarah's, Sarah's 40, and I'll be, I got another year for that, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Melissa's saying, you know, my clothes are tighter, feel exhausted and frankly burnt out. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think a lot of people feel burnt out in those scenarios because, you know, frankly, they're exercising for a specific result. You know, I already have my result. You know, I mean, I, I basically, you know, I don't exercise, you know, to, you know, be 8% body fat or anything like that. I'm, I'm exercising just to get better at exercising. I know that as my volume, you know, I can like adjust my volume. There's always some compromise as it relates to food. I mean, Let's make no mistake about that. You know, we're not saying, hey, just eat as much as possible. And then, you know, you're 47 years old, do as much as possible. Similar to what Melissa's saying, you'll just wear yourself out. And, you know, but if there's any one thing that we know related to Eat Reform is that a lot of people are not eating an adequate amount of food for what they do. And so you do that three months, six months, nine months, two years, five years, you know, it's just going to wear on you. And eventually you're going to be sick a lot. You're going to be hurt a lot. You're just going to quit, you know? And so and you also, and then there's another thing I wanted to add, like, like with you, you know, you, you have active recovery days or active rest days, you know, I like to call it active recovery, but you know, you're not in the, you're not in the gym or you're not, you know, down in your basement, you know, doing squats seven days a week. You know, yeah. there's some people, I talk to people on a daily basis that, you know, they, they go to the gym and they strength train. Some of them do high volume, heavier percentages, whatever, but it's like six, seven days a week. And I'm like, well, when do you ever rest? Well, I don't want to yeah. rest, you know, but. Yeah. I don't want to rest. I mean, just to be clear, I don't want to rest either. You know, um, I'd much rather work out. I'd much rather be active. I'd much rather do the things that I like. But I'm also not an idiot about it, you know. So, like, today, normally I would, you know, go for, you know, kind of a ruck, you know, around the, around the, you know, in the, there's a local park here. Um, but there's also, like, a route that I take in the neighborhood here. Um, and that's not, that's not a workout. Like you said, it's really more active recovery, but if I'm feeling, you know, a little bit of a drag or whatever, I don't have any problem in just doing Epsom salt bass that day. I mean, I do eat less on that day. You know, I think I, I, I feel like a lot of people are eating less every day. And so, what ends up happening is that they feel sort of painted in a corner that if they don't kill themselves and do a six mile run that day, that they're going to gain six or seven pounds. And it's like, well, yeah, you might, <laughs> you know, because you sort of painted yourself into this corner where you're ultimately going to be burned out all the time. When you look at the way that I do things, you know, my weight's going to go up and down, but it's always going to stay in this range of three to four pounds. And, you know, mostly, I mean, I'd say my average price, my average right now is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,800. There's a lot of women out there. There was a woman today that, you know, in the video is Sherry, where she was talking about 1,500 calories and that she doesn't diet at all. And I'm like, 
you're almost certainly dieting, eating 1,500 calories. And she's like, yeah, but I really don't restrict myself at all. And what she was basically saying was that, you know, she's taken, you know, done an elimination diet and taken some, some foods that, you know, she views as bad out of the way that she eats. And then she later on admitted that she'd basically been that same way for, you know, roughly six months. Well, if you've been the same weight for six months, eating 1,500 calories, you're almost certainly painted in a corner. That's what we're talking about, right? I mean, you're supposed to be able to go back to normal calories, but if you're at 1,500 calories and you're not exactly where you'd like to be, what are you going to do then? You know, And so that's a little bit what we try to walk people through. Um, anything interesting happening? I mean, it just seems like right now with the weather changes, it was sort of interesting listening to the Jeff Rothschild podcast. You know, I don't know. I, I think in the last week and a half, I've probably dealt with more hydration issues than I have in the last six months and it's just that season right you're sweat more it's hotter you know um, you're you're out and about more you're definitely more active and so I would say to everyone because um, Jeff was saying that you know all these rules related to drink a gallon of water and all this other type of stuff I did I did have a conversation with him privately um, one of the things I, I was discussing was the fact that, you know, a lot of people use um, that water as a way of, you know, messing with their hunger signaling. Um, and it's, it's sort of interesting because, you know, he's just thinking of things from the hydration standpoint. And so we got into a little bit of a discussion there. But I think a lot of people that don't go by thirst and then just try to eat, you know, drink eight to nine cups or whatever each day, especially if they're under eating, the absorption, the absorption of nutrients is almost certainly affected by that, you know? Um, and once again, don't, don't misunderstand that I'm saying to not drink water. You know, if you're thirsty, drink water. If you want to be a little bit ahead of it, you know, one of the things that I did that was actually a big deal because I, I, I used to not drink a lot of water. Um, and I was probably chronically dehydrated. Um, but what I did was is I took, you know, we have like one of those Brita filters. And so what I did was, uh, you know, I have it sitting on the counter. So as I'm going throughout the day, you know, I'll just, you know, pour a little cup of water and, and drink it, you know. And so just being more conscious of it was sort of helpful. I think I think water is actually, you know, kind of key. I agree it kind of goes both ways that some people actually, you know, overconsume it to, you know, if you drink a lot of water, it does kind of clear out, you know, some of the, you know, some of the water weight, the bloating, because you obviously urinate more, um, vice versa, to, you know, kind of mask hunger. Yeah, but I do think it kind of goes the opposite way where people just do, there are some that just are horrible about drinking water. Um, mm -hmm. I've had days where I'm horrible about drinking water, you know, in, in general, of course, you know, I have water in my coffee, I have water in, you know, a protein shake, in my Vitargo, you know, I'll drink a couple of bottles. But, you know, when I get to the point where I'm thirsty and if my urine is, is bright yellow, you know, which obviously I don't take vitamins or anything, you know, I know that, you know, or if I've sweated more, you know, I know I need to kind of catch up on water. You know, it does kind of play a key role, like what you're saying, in, in nutrient absorption, um, but also just overall digestion, you know, yeah. with, you know, if you're, if you're not drinking an adequate, adequate amount of water, you know, you're likely going to have issues with, you know, pooping, going to the bathroom, right. you know, <laughs> it kind of plays a key role, you know, with a lot of things, you know, so it's finding the balance of, you know, of, of enough, but not too much. But I'm not sure I really hammered it home, so I really want to hammer it home that as we age, we have to look at volume differently, 
And so the idea that you can go to a workout and just pound it away at it in 12 minutes and get like these huge calorie burns and stuff like that, and then also recover from that, you know, isn't reality, you know, as we start to get older. And so you have to kind of factor that in and, and maybe you have fewer days where you're really banging on your body hard or you just structure your workouts in a way that kind of, you know, fits your lifestyle, your job, you know, all these types of things. Um, there was someone saying that they have high leptin levels and weight barely comes off. The other gal that was talking about um, about uh, being burnt out, she's, she's saying that she eats 1,400 calories. I mean, you know, we've been talking about this, you know, for three and a half years now, you know, eventually that, those low calories, they're going to catch up to you. And so if you're burnt out, you know, the first thing that I would check is, you know, the original five-hour hour energy is food. And so that can make a really big difference for people. Someone's talking about leptin levels. I mean, leptin levels is kind of an interesting thing. You know, it, it, I'm, I'm not going to profess that, that I can give you a... Um, I mean, I can give you a primer on leptin, um, but in general, kind of advanced level leptin talk, I, I highly doubt that that leptin is the real issue in someone not being able to um, lose weight. It's more likely the fact that, you know, they've got some habits that ultimately can be fixed. And then, you know, you could sort of regulate the insulin leptin response because insulin and leptin are sort of antagonists in the body. And so what a lot of people don't realize is that, um, you know, as you become more resistant, you know, on one side of things, it will affect the other side as well. And so if you have, you know, good insulin sensitivity exercises sort of known to be favorable as it relates to insulin sensitivity some level of deficit occasionally also is good for insulin sensitivity we certainly don't argue against for against eating a little bit less like I said I'm eating less today you know because um, obviously over the weekend um, ate a little bit more food kind of enjoyed myself I think that's part of what life should be about and so let's see um, got a couple minutes here. We'll we'll finish up. So to always have an intense workout would help me reach my goal. No, that's not what we're saying. Um, I mean, if you're 22 and you can get away with it, it might be able to help you reach your goal. But even the athletes that I know that are professional athletes, Olympian type folks, most of those people, they don't work out like you think that they work out. You know, you say bolt isn't as an example, you know, on the track running 100, 100 meters all the time. You know, he's squatting, he's doing, you know, um, some level of muscle building. And so as, as people start to kind of be a little bit smarter about how they break down their workouts, I think whenever we have one of these live conversations, pretty much every person that is talking, the thing that I'm constantly hearing is, I want to work harder and I want to eat less. And what we want to impress upon you guys is the idea of working smarter and being um, cognizant of, you know, your recovery levels, where you are as an athlete. I can get away with a lot of stuff that I could not get away with, you know, when I was new to fitness. And so, you know, we actually... I just want to add, I think the key is that, you know, like Rich Froning, like, you know, you, like you're saying that you can get away with certain things, but, you know, the key is to eat an adequate amount for what you do. You know, you, there, there's got to be some level of, you know, eating and an amount to support, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. One of the people on the call is actually, um, one of our clients with a good amount of fat to use and, you know, one of the first conversations that, that I had with him was just, you know, to to walk and, and, and walk kind of sporadically. I mean, like even walking, you know, if, if, you know, when I was 230 pounds, if I were to walk for a half hour, my back would kill me, you know. 
And so even walking required a little bit of thought at that time. And so you always have to factor in where you are as an athlete. So someone's saying that they've given up alcohol, stopped drinking coffee, only drinking green tea, water, lemon, cumbersome over a month and now I feel worse. Why? Well, I'd like to know what you eat, you know, um, you know, a lot of the things that you end up eliminating, I would argue, probably shouldn't be eliminated. I mean, you know, I sleep great, you know, when I'm at home, I drink as much coffee as probably anyone that you know. Um, I was gonna say, coffee's pretty darn magical, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, but like even, you know, you know, even, you know, some of the things she's talking about does have caloric load. And so, you know, you start taking away like all these calories that were making you feel somewhat comfortable. People, once again, we're sort of, we never get to that point of a happy medium, right? And so some level of, just, of moderation. Just to, give you, just to give you an idea, you know, uh, my husband, Tom, he was in the habit there for a while of, come home from work, stressful day, have a beer or two. You know, he likes to crack beers, you know, and then, you know, it became like an everyday, every other day thing. And, you know, over time, you know, he realized that he was kind of doing it more regularly. So, you know, I'm in the suggestion, why not, you know, just, you know, why not de-stress another way and, you know, just kind of have a couple of beers on the weekend. And just from him cutting it out during the week, didn't change anything else. He lost like 10 or 15 pounds. Yeah. You know, it didn't change absolutely anything else. No, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean those those little those little habits add up, right? And then you find, oh gosh, you know, it, it, it's usually not as complicated as people tend to think of it, right? So Jessica was saying, what would you suggest? More amino acids, but eating less isn't key. I thought healthy would work versus eating less. Um, I don't know what she's saying necessarily, um, but, you know, amino acids, as an example, people typically take those because they have a low caloric load. A lot of times when people talk about eating less, you know, they'll think that, say, 1,400 calories is an adequate amount of food, right? And, you know, when you look at the Eat Perform calculator where you can actually calculate your total daily energy expenditure, they might find that they're supposed to be eating six to seven hundred calories more than that, and so that can be somewhat insightful at times. All right, I think that that is a good one, but you know when it really comes down to, I think probably the best way to say it is when we're talking about metabolism and we're talking about menopause or we're talking about really anything that kind of down-regulates hormonal activity and, and makes it a little bit more difficult to improve um, body composition as an athlete, all this other type of stuff. Someone asked me what my thoughts were, and I said, I think it's similar to growing up poor, right? You have disadvantages but ultimately, you're going to have bills. You're going to have responsibilities. And as you try to move your way through the American dream, right, you, you, you have to work through the hurdles that you have to see the results that you ultimately want to see. You know, and whether, you know, the, the video that I did for Sherry today was so, I, I hope it was good for people because, you know, Sherry looking at it, saw no trends at all and was totally confused. I looked at it and saw that the three days that she had carbs, every single one of those days, her weight was down. And she said to me privately, she's like, yeah, April used to have me do that too. So it's not, it's, it, this is something that I think her, her natural tendency is to snuggle up to more fiber and more, you know, higher fat, lower carb. But her body actually does respond quite well. And it was sort of interesting as I was <coughs> walking people through it, because everybody started making it into like this gigantic carb thing. 
And I wasn't really making the point that carbs are better or carbs are worse or fats are better or fats are worse. What I was making the point was that, you know, you have to look for trends based on, you know, the data that you have. And so when people say, you know, avoid the scale or I don't have any interest in logging my food, <coughs> that might be fine if that works for you. But if you're looking to get more specific, <coughs> especially if you're looking to work with a coach, we need that information to sort of walk you through what might be something that can help you get to the next level. So I appreciate everybody being here. I will look at the questions on Facebook <coughs> and see if there's something that I missed that I could maybe help people with. Um, might not be able to get that to that till tomorrow morning, but I will take a look. So appreciate everybody being here and we'll talk to you later. You want to say goodbye, April? Good night, everyone. All right. Talk to you guys later.